Welcome to the Legion Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Legion on FX. I am Jason. And I'm Aaron. And this is the Legion Podcast, episode eight. And we have successfully expelled the evil entity known as Jim from this podcast. We did. It, it took a Halo <laughs> and like Jermaine Clement climbing a silo <laughs> full of generators. And, but, you know, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. I've been trying for five years. Uh, and and, and it, it took today to get to, to, to make it happen. Finally achieved our goal. Uh, no, Jim's on vacation. Kind of a bummer. He can't be here to wrap it up, but uh, maybe we'll do some kind of a season wrap up or something down the road. I, I too am on vacation. Uh, I just love you guys more. Right. So that's how it breaks down. You're the more loyal and hardworking <laughs> of the two. <laughs> All right. Let's get going. So it's our top three highlights for the season finale, season one, episode eight, chapter eight. By the way, I think I have a a theory on why they call these chapter eight, chapter whatever, instead of giving them titles. I think it's because they don't want to give us any kind of mooring or any kind of uh, orientation. They want us to be lost, you know? I guess, but if you look at Fargo, Noah Hawley's calling episodes like Burden's Ass and the Fishmonger's <laughs> Wife and and the Eunuch's Eyebrow and like, <laughs> you know, like I, I, he could roll with that and I still wouldn't know what's going on. Do you think he's just messing with the audience some of the time? I don't know. Like I, my, I, I'd still like my first theory that we had at the beginning of the season that he just after coming up with all those crazy philosophical references in in fargo he's like you know what forget it i'm just gonna go chapter one chapter two <laughs> it also seems like it's that's kind of the chic thing to do nowadays is it like a, a lot of the shows are doing that kind of like chapter one chapter two or episode one episode two right. uh, kind of business well what do you think of chapter eight you know I, I i feel like i took the pulse of the fan base and there everyone thought that this episode is a little bit of a come down from last episode mm-hmm. but it actually wrapped up, first of all, it wrapped up the season in a way that I wasn't anticipating, which sometimes can be a little bit of a bummer when your pet theories don't come true. Um, but I, I thought it wrapped up everything it needed to wrap up and, you know, dealt like put the Shadow King on, not even just on ice, because I was thinking the Shadow King would be kind of shelved as a plot point, but actively propelled it into one, a, a really interesting direction. You were hoping he would. St- they would find a way to keep him around and keep. Aud- yeah. Cause I, I just feel like that that seems like it's, it's destined to be the big bad. And yeah. if you get rid of David's core problem and existential threat this early, it would be kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting them inside Jermaine Clement just seems like the most fun possibility. <laughs> right. You, you know, him and him and dark Aubrey Plaza road tripping just Absolutely. seems awesome. Yeah. And then, then I got a mid credit sequence that's like kicking off season two already. Like I honestly, Jason, I was really, really impressed with this episode and it felt like I said last week, like it felt comic booky in the best way. This too, like felt really comic booky in the best way. Like, you know, uh, the random fleshing out of a villain and the ultimate confrontation and like you know uh this this big threat that causes the villains and heroes to put aside the differences and work together ate it all up ate it all up what'd you think man i yeah can you think of any better comic book shows and that's the other thing man i was thinking like halfway through this episode i was raised on drek (laughs) <laughs> like if 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 I got this cheap made Italian Spider Man, I was so happy if for five minutes out of a two hour movie he donned the suit and 
and swung across a bridge on rope. I would mm-hmm. just, it made me so, and I, and, and nowadays they're just executing these really adult high level concepts. Uh, and I know like, again, I ain't going to back away from my like commentary on episodes four and five work. Cause I do think that there is a bit of fat and I, I don't know that that was a, it's certainly not a fatal flaw. And I think that Holly maybe was rightfully concerned about I me mean, setting up all this kind of really bizarre, crazy stuff. But I, in a world where he was a little bit more confident, he's like, you know what? Screw it. If people can't swim in the deep end, then fine. And just kind of, you know, didn't didn't beat some of those points in in the in the you yeah. know transition to Act Three home. Yeah. But you know, I always said this is the thing where people are like, you know, I, I get this a lot. Like, you know, why are you talking all this crap about my favorite show? It's so when I say this stuff, it means something. You know, right. like, and I I said too, like, hey, if he pulls the season off, then all this criticism will be you know water in the bridge and super water in the bridge yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't a perfect season i mean i think i i don't know i think i liked it a little bit more than you guys did i liked it a lot but i know you guys liked it too but i i don't think it was a perfect season but i'm seriously trying to think of a better comic book show and maybe there's one i'm not thinking of but i I, I honestly i can't like it's before now i'd say it was probably one of the animated series you know uh, like, you know, there's been really good Justice League and, yeah. you know, Batman the animated series. That's really. Yeah, I might actually like that better, actually, because that was damn good. It's also hard to compare, like, such a huge, like, if you look at all the, you know, the, the Tim Dini mythos, like, there's like a decade of it, right? Right. Versus one season. But that's true. You know, it's certainly, certainly, I think Marvel television, like, like, I think this was probably more enjoyable than daredevil which i think is the best ones i do i definitely do because i felt like daredevil was too um it it just didn't go anywhere it was like kind of the same thing over and over again i mean had a lot of great aspects to it like 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 there it never achieved like a second stage boost in the orbit it's always like and, and they always like you know the marvel stuff is really really plagued by pacing problems. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones was pretty damn good. Yeah, it was pretty damn but good. But there had again, some of those same the, problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. talk an hour just on the problems of that show. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I thought it was great, and I, I can't think. I mean, it's it's up there, which is impressive. Well, I thought it sucked. No, I'm just kidding. I thought it was really good <laughs> too. And I, yeah, I can kind of see, you know, maybe people had expectations. I kind of did of this last episode being a little bit more epic or you know like season finale ish kind of a show and it didn't it just felt like another good episode of legion except it wrapped things up it wrapped the arc up really nicely but it wasn't any more or less exciting than any other show in the series i would say no i totally totally agree and the um you know the thing is like i was reading alan sepinwall's review and i he's like a hero of mine he's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. i got in the podcast in the first place and he was having some issues about like, oh, you know, David's a cipher and we really don't, you know, they're really wiping a slate. We don't know who David is. And I'm like, are you only saying that because David himself is unsure? Because, you know, he get that like, you know, that that's the thing about schizophrenia. Your the mm-hmm. disease tells you you're fine. And and I'm like, I feel like I have a good peg on who David is. Who is he? He's the guy like that we see when he's with Sid and he's the guy, the, the, the noble hero. And he's the guy at the end of the episode. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's, he's a, a good, guy. he's a good, you're right. He's a good guy when he's not having his head messed with. And like, he's right. going to have, he's going to be able to discover himself and grow and change as a character. But like, 
you know, I, I just feel like I have a pretty good handle on, on, and, and you know, a lot of that's Dan Stevens performance. Um, and to say that like, Oh, he's just gonna, you know, who knows he might be this or he mean probably that going forward. I, I think that's a huge mistake. He might be a little scary of a guy. Like once he has his full faculties, it, that absolute power corrupts kind of thing. I wonder if there's going to be anything well, with that. Sure. And like, you know, he, like when uh, Melanie said he's a world breaker, he is scary, right. but he's not scary now. He might be scary once he comes into his own of his powers. And I yeah. don't think they're, they're finished screwing with his brain either. No. But, uh, I, I don't know. I thought that was, there's a lot of people saying that like, Oh, I just, you know, there's really no character development because all the character development is under the shadow Kings, right? And blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, whatever. I, I guess I just don't <laughs> agree I can yeah. eat those words next season. But. I, I can understand why you would say that because now we're going to get to see what David is like without this thing that's been an influence on him his whole life. But that doesn't right. mean that we haven't gotten to know him at all. It, it's no. it, We've gotten to know what he's like under this adversity. And yeah. So. Right. So Seppenwall, have you had any contact with him yet? I have not. You should interview him. All right. I challenge I'll take you. Him out. Let's say, hey, I'm calling you out. I'm calling <laughs> yeah. you out on. Because I've heard you game. mention him a lot, and, and and I think you guys are in a position to be in contact somehow. I think that'd be really All cool. Right. <laughs> All right. So, should we get into our top three? We should. Okay. My first one is kind of long, and I'm calling it War and Peace. Okay. So, I the first few minutes of this episode are really interesting. They humanized this guy that we may have come to think of as a villain. And we even found out his name for the first time in this episode. I think it's Clark. And so we see that he has this gay partner and this adopted, they have an adopted son and it was a poignant scene of him recovering from this uh, attack. And he's, uh, it, it fleshed him out a little bit as a real person and gave a little bit of color as to why he's doing what he's doing, at least in part, probably because he thinks he needs to do it to keep the people he cares about safe. He even referenced making the world safe for democracy. And when, when he wakes up in his bandages, he's saying, I think he's saying I'm scared. I'm scared. And I think he's scared to find out, you know, Oh my God, what happened and what is it going to be like? But he's also just, I think that's part of his personality. He's scared of this mutant threat and his whole purpose has been fueled by that fear. The, the organization division three is all about neutralizing threats. So he's organized his life around neutralizing threats. And uh, it reminded me of when in our earlier episode, Oliver talked about the two kinds of stories that we tell our children. There's empathy and fear and violence comes from fear of things we don't understand, which is kind of an X-Men trope sworn to protect the world that hates and fears them. Right, but, yep. but, but now we, so that was, that was sort of to elevate him uh, on one side. And, and then we've got the other side is Melanie and her people. And she's, uh, she's afraid too, I think. And she, <laughs> it was really interesting. She was, threatening him you know she's saying mm -hmm. you guys are the dinosaurs and that once ruled the earth and remind me what happened to them and it's probably not too smart to take to uh, take a, a guy who's already scared of you and has a lot of power and wants to fight you to threaten them but that's just what these two sides do sometimes it just escalates into war sure. and david is wanting to make peace between these two sides and i yeah. thought it was really funny when um Clark approached and he said, war is over. 
if you want it, <laughs> which is a John mm-hmm. Lennon quote. But, uh, you know, he wants to, he, he, his whole purpose throughout this episode is to try and talk to David and get him on his side and, uh, figure out, or he actually wants to talk to Dave, the higher ups. And I sort of wondered if he wanted to try and go in there and mess with their minds actually. But anyway, he's telling David, you know, you don't have to be afraid and, I mean, Clark and Clark says, I know I don't have to, but I am because one day your people will realize you're gods and you don't have to listen to us anymore. So that's, that's the whole reason why this whole thing is going on. Now, by the end, David is saying we need to work together now and Clark agrees, but I, that was one part I didn't quite buy just because Clark finds out that there's an evil entity involved here. I don't see why that would change his whole perspective that these mutants are still uh, potential threats that need to be neutralized. Well, I mean, they could have killed him and they didn't. And I thought that was also interesting that they kind of reframed the Melanie's organization as a terrorist organization. Like by showing this attack where they literally lit the air on fire and burned right. everyone in that room alive. Like, and you know, they're, 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 they did this to uh, a lawful agency of the United States government. Like, right. Um, they're a little bit more brotherhood of evil mutants, or I think as they would like to be called just the brotherhood of mutants, uh, <laughs> evils, maybe editorializing a little bit there, uh, a little on the nose Magneto, um, and less Charles Xavier, or maybe they're like, it would be interesting going forward if there's like a tension where, uh, like I would love to see a Magneto or a toad or a blob show up and like, Hey, you guys have a lot, you know, we really really like what you did with the assault <laughs> on the vision, whatever. And, and then like Charles Xavier is like, you know, I don't know what you're doing with my son. And I, I that'd be cool because there's certainly a lot more shades of gray and like even Ptolemy, you know, who is a kind of level headed dude was like, Hey, I got this Tommy gun. How about I just shoot this guy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the whole episode, he was just wanting to kill. And that does square with what we've seen before because he's been untrusting. He was even untrusting of David. Right. And, and I also really liked how they showed the you know, like the U.S. government side, where like this guy's like John Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis, like he's got everybody up his butt to like we should you know do the strike this and you know move him <laughs> in this and that, and he's just like come on, let's give this guy more time, let's give this, let's see if the other guy blinks. And I felt like it showed cooler heads prevailing on both sides, which is neat, interesting. Which is nice. Yeah, it's unexpected, and I le- that's one thing I really like about Noah Hawley's style is he's not always predictable. And it gives it gives kind of like that like like hope for the future kind of feeling, even as they're they're pulling the rug out from underneath us. Even in the moment uh, back when we saw that whole carpet bombing in the pool, I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. intense. Like, holy shit, they just, because we didn't know who they were, for one thing, so it seemed almost terroristic to me back then, but we didn't know who anybody was or who were the good guys or who were the bad guys. But we also say they were holding and torturing David's right. sister, like, True. you know, there's, uh, you know, and mistakes. There's a point, and, and that's still a valid point, yeah. I mean, right. that's the thing is, Dave uh, Clark's burns are a physical reminder of this is the danger that we face, but they're also a self-fulfilling prophecy because if he hadn't captured David and held him there, then he wouldn't have gotten those burns. So that's what happens sometimes when people are afraid of things, they actually make the the thing that they're afraid of come true. That's what I think. All right. What's yours? Um, so my biggest fear was like (laughs) this, this carry carry split going was, was going to be a big like plot point moving forward. And I was relieved to see the rift keeled by the end of the episode. 
Like what like, happened? You know, did they they made up? Yeah, they made up. Like him. How did I miss that? Uh, him, him getting hurt and, you know, almost like uh, you, you kind of, I, I just felt like that she. Oh yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. Got yeah. out of her like little spoiled brat phase right. by seeing him. Like she, she's realizing kind of like how silly and petty she was being. And that was a little bit more mature than I was fearing that she would be. And I, cause like, I just, you know, I, I've already been describing her in, in these very, uh, unflattering lights as far as like yeah. this naive character who just like takes and takes and doesn't have any adult responsibilities. And it's just this fantasy idea of, 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 of this, this, this tough girl persona. And then her brother, like, you know, like everything that Carrie was saying in the beginning, like, look, uh, this was like on some astral plane. And like, I, this guy in a diving suit came and like, I like <laughs> there, you know, new shit had come to light. Uh, the, like like the dude said and she was just not having any of it it was so frustrating and i just am glad that uh they had an opportunity to kind of work all that stuff out it's, he was like you ruptured my spleen and she's like oh you and i'm like that's actually pretty serious i don't know if maybe yeah. you should go to the maybe ER. you should absorb <laughs> him and get a half ruptured spleen <laughs> instead of patronizing him but uh but to, to, i like that i like that to stand up for her just a little bit uh she's been dependent on him for her whole existence and he, uh, he wasn't there. And I think she's, well, you could say she's not being rational about it and she's just afraid, you know, Oh my God, I thought I could depend on this and now I, I don't think I can anymore. So I'm not sure what to do. And and she's taking it out on him. But, um, also, you know, could he have, I don't know if he could have gone back and checked on her or something like that, you know, during that time. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and the other thing is like, I'm fine with them kind of framing that as a codependent relationship because that's <laughs> right. like, you know, if, if she has been totally dependent on him for that long, it would kind of make sense that, 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 that she would, you know, the fir- the very first time she, he failed her that she would kind of lash out like that. Yeah. However, I don't think that'd be a very entertaining thing to watch. Right. I know codependency. It is though. Like, sometimes in this series there's been these physical manifestations of psychological concepts. And I think, yeah, I didn't think about that before, but they're totally the codependency mutants. <laughs> All right. So my number two is just, I, Dave, I enjoyed David's state of being in this. He was really calm and powerful for the most part. And two times he put up his hand and calmly said, no, once was when the D three, uh, goons were coming and he's like, Nope. And then he just stacks them all up. And then later the shadow King was right behind him. He's just like, no. And I like that awesome display of, of power. And I felt like he was, he's very Neo, right? It's like very, very Neo with agent Smith and the bullets in the hallway. (laughs) Like he's coming like, like he's facing external threats and also in these, this internal threat. And he's not, afraid and he's not even angry he's just like very calm and matter of fact like this mm-hmm. this is not how this is not how this is going to go down and this floating meditation is like a perfect representation of that which i thought it was really cool maybe a little showy did you think that was an homage to the original x-men because the angle where they showed his like foot close up hitting the ground a landing i thought was a callback to magneto doing that trick in the first movie uh i wouldn't be surprised because like it's such a cheap effect. I mean, he could literally be hanging onto a bar that they're lowering th- down to the ground, and they <laughs> hit his feet, and they pan up, and like, woo, look, no wires. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 uh, special effects one hundred and one, but it's such a cool effect too. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I like. I just like the the image of it. But it's he's not perfect through the whole episode. He's talking about his schizophrenia, and and I didn't actually understand what he was trying to say. But I think the gist of it was he's sick of navel gazing, and he wants a purpose. And for this at least episode, his purpose is to try and broker peace between the two sides. So right. it was fun to see him being a little more um, together about everything, except for the part where he yeah. was struggling with uh, the Shadow King, which was also pretty fun too. Yeah, no, I mean that's like, and he needed to. Like, it shouldn't have been easy to expel the Shadow King there, and and there shouldn't have been the no price paid. Right. I thought that was all very, very well done. I like when he was sitting there all strapped down, and he's like, "How will I know when?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really good. That's good. All right, your turn. Um, I just want to talk more about Oliver because. I freaking love Jermaine Clement and I Mm -hmm. liked his performance of this. And I like how he is kind of like already, even with half of his memory reasserting himself as the leader, like he's instantly in command and he's got this new technology and he's marshalling all those energies and forces, both literal and physical. And, and he's got this, you know, because he's dawning a relationship with his wife and Melanie is playing it really cool. And then there's this great scene where he's climbing this ladder and he's like, oh, Melanie. Yeah. Like, like he ended that smile on his face. Like, oh, right. Now it's all coming together. I didn't catch that. Oh, so he, you oh, think he figured it out, huh? He just figured it out at the oh, end. And it's shit. a very bittersweet thing because Melanie's not going to see it. And, and then, of course, mm-hmm. he immediately takes off and has been Shadow King. So, you know, she's still <laughs> not going to be. But, yeah, well, as he's climbing the ladder, he had kind of like this like dreamy smile on his face. He's like, oh, Melanie, right. Um, I just thought that was great and it was a perfect way to handle that situation. And then I thought they were going to kill him because this guy's climbing this like missile silo looking thing, flipping right. circuit breakers. I thought for sure that he was going to die. And Jermaine Clement's kind of a star. He's a bird. Yeah. He's a person who's, who's, his trajectory is going into orbit. And, um, yeah, I was kind of worried about that. And it, so I was I guess him being possessed by the Shadow King is a sort of a relief. Yeah. Because at least great. he's not dead. Absolutely. But I but I thought that was great. It was a great way to handle their relationship and um it's, you know, like I said very bitter, bittersweet, but he was some of the best things there. And I I loved how he was like hates his own voice. Like, you know, like it's, yeah. it's giving him his countdown stuff. He's just, shut, shut up. up. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it, everything about it was great. Now, I kind of when the other thing is I, I had this little bit of like a thrill when the Shadow King obviously went to go possess him and then he comes instantly out the door and he looked like he was himself. I'm like, oh, man, what if like Oliver's just such a badass that he's like, nope, it's not going to happen. He's like, you know, really become this like intense bat- mental badass from spending so much time on the astral plane. Alas, that's not how it happened. No. Nope. And I kind of wonder if, you know, he still doesn't have all his faculties back. So that maybe weakened him up a little bit for the Shadow King. So I don't know if you saw on Reddit, because this is the next thing I want to talk about in Mm -hmm. conjunction with Oliver and and Clement. Um, But someone did a screen grab of the medical um, device that was uh, monitoring David. And, you know, these medical devices have a date stamp at the top of the screen. And it read October something 2007 or 2008. I can't remember which. Hmm. Did you see that? Nope. Do you think that's compelling proof of the time of 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 the time frame that we're in? Because I, I, I chalked it down to a production mistake. Um, you're probably right. I mean, 
it's it's tough though because I think Noah Holly is one who pays a lot of attention to little details. Yeah, uh, but shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that that's what everyone's saying on Reddit, and I'm like, look, fuckers. As a guy who covered <laughs> two seasons of Fargo, the man is not perfect. Right. Absolutely. And and he's also not even you know they were doing this up in Vancouver or somewhere, and he's right. in L.A., so he can't he can't have his fingers in everything. Yeah, I don't think he he, he approves every little inset. And right. the other thing, because here's the thing, it doesn't jive with with Oliver saying "boom goes the dynamite." What is that? I don't even know what that is. But boom! So "boom goes the dynamite" is this, this infamous internet clip that that set the world on YouTube or you set the YouTube on fire like ten mm. years ago. This it found this um, this guy who was doing like a demo reel of uh, like broadcasting school. And he was like essentially doing a sports, uh, sports, a sports center type of bit. He was practicing and like that was he was submitting it as a school project. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, do, he was calling plays like professional plays as if he was, a, you know, a, a guy recapping evening sports. And he tried his catchphrase where the guy shot a three pointer and he's like, and boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> and everybody's like, it's just so and he's like really awkwardly saying it. Mm-hmm. That's such a specific. It's kind of like if he would say if, if he dropped juggernaut bitch on you, <laughs> like that's such a anchored to a moment in time that I feel like this is set in the like in the like 2020, 2025, mm-hmm. because if he's been in the astral plane for what they say, 20 some years. I don't remember. It would have to be, you know, there again, like maybe he's just, you know, maybe, maybe he's being intentionally slippery with the time frame. But there's no way if he's been frozen since the 80s that he would know anything about Boom Goes the Dynamite. But I mean, the reason why I think it's probably not anything is I just really feel like they don't want to peg this series to any certain year. Yeah. And I'm yeah. fine. I'm honestly fine with that. I don't I'm this is not my cross to die on, but it seems like that's something that the fans are really interested to pin this into sure. a particular set time. And I, I, I agree with you. I think with the technology, with the dress, with the look and feel of the uh you know, their their base and like all kinds of different things, I feel like they're trying to sh- say that this is just a very nebulous yeah. anytime, any place kind of thing. They're and like- and that's very complicated right like actively working that. against yeah against right. having being able to peg it to a certain time that's like, that's like how, how yeah how old is frank castle is he uh is he desert storm vet or vietnam vet <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> depends on who the writer is and what they exactly. feel like making him in that moment uh you mentioned relief about you know uh uh, what's his name? Oliver being possessed by the shadow King. And it just made me think of this one thing I've been kind of thinking about and dealing with, with Karen, with my co-host on the walking dead podcast I do. And that's like, I find myself thinking about everything from two perspectives. One is sort of a creative satisfaction or creativity. And then the other is just emotionally as if I'm caring about the characters and not thinking of it, of it as a TV show. Do you, right. do you think about those two tracks a lot in your podcasting? Um, that's, you know, I don't know that I've ever put it that way, but yes, I, I, I think I've said it like, you know, selfishly for so-and-so I want this to happen, but yeah. it'd probably be more interesting from a story point. Like if someone, if, if I, if I was like Rick's buddy, uh, I, you know, I want, I would want this to happen, but as a person who's interested in dramatic television, it'd be pretty badass if this happened. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I noticed like Karen, she's more focused on, I don't want anybody to get hurt and you know, I don't want anything bad to happen. And I'm like, that would be a really boring show. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, but I, I appreciate having she's i mean i'm almost jealous sometimes because she's so like emotionally moved by things and i'm looking at it from a more removed perspective right anyway let's see where are we i think it's my turn right so Mm -hmm. my number one is just stuff around the shadow king i was at first wondering why lenny accepted leaving david she says to sydney you want me out fine i'm gone but you're gonna help me escape or, you know, if I have to leave, if I'm forced to leave, then he's going to die. And then I guess it's because she knows, it's hard with the gender, but I'll say she, uh, that they're about to force her to leave. So that's why she's like, okay, I got to figure out what to do with this situation. So she, I guess she trusts that, or she believes that Carrie and Oliver can be successful in getting her out. But she also knows that she can kill David in the in the process. Right. And I think she and yeah, and I also think she's aware of Oliver and mm-hmm. that um, she's aware of she was aware of Oliver and they, they showed the Shadow King kind of lurking outside the ice cube like he had built this fortress where it was safe for him. But like the Shadow King knew of his presence and probably knew that he was a powerful te- telepath and has now and was aware enough that that, that he knew like that, that he's now got his body back and all that kind of stuff. And maybe he was like, you know, prime target B. Like she, she, they'd rather be in David because, like as Carrie said, he's this she, he's this computer virus that's, you know, backdoored him and gotten everything cracked open, and he's now about to operate or overwrite the the core operating system and replace <laughs> it with himself. He's going to have to start all over uh, with Oliver. And there's also a very I like how they visually showed that, like um, the Aubrey Plaza version of Shadow King that's attached to Oliver is a much more seductive and compliant version yeah. than the very Swinging pushy, 60s. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know, the, she's his bird in the, in the, in the passenger seat and like not a threat at all. And they're just going right. to be the best of buds. And they're going to go someplace warm and fun. And like, she, like, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, when she appeared to David the first time, uh, he was a playful puppy. Right. Uh, and I feel like that's the, so like, I don't even think Oliver is aware of the danger he's in. He I might even not even know what's going on because that's how good the shadow King is, but it's certainly going to delay his master plan. Cause now he's got to biz, get busy worming his way through Oliver's yeah. consciousness and it's, he's kind of started all over. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because, you know, up until the moment where Lenny appears in his car, you think, okay, he's possessed, but now it's like two psyches together. So, yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about that, that he's sort of just going along. Yeah, this is actually pretty cool, man. And I do get the idea that Oliver is a kind of, I, I mean, I don't have his powers pinned down exactly, but he, they've done, a, uh, in my mind, a job of painting him as both brilliant and a fairly powerful telepath of some right. sort in his own right. Like, it's not quite the same as like, you know, you got that, you know, visualized wordplay and whatnot. But like, you know, he's not he's no slouch, I guess. And I don't. I couldn't back that up with hard evidence. It's just a feeling I've got from how they portray him. Yeah, his confidence. I think in other episodes too, we've heard him communicating telepathically. But uh, at one point in this episode, Melanie's trying to convince David to read Clark's mind, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, I guess no one else can read minds." But then I'm like, "Yeah, I think Oliver can." So that was a little bit of a disconnect for me there. But I think you're right. I think he's he's powerful, and he just needs to get all his memories back and everything. 
But you were you started this point with talking about the design of the Shadow King, right? And man, when it got to like when the, when it was on his last ropes and it was really getting pushed out of his mind, like the way they did the design on Aubrey Plaza, almost like Walking Dead version. Yeah, pretty cool. With her feet dripping tar and just <laughs> like you know, like like modulating her voice and blending it in with the Shadow King and all that and. And also, like, this is something I never got until I read Seppenwall's thoughts that he said he liked the design of the Shadow King, like the yellow eyed demon, because they des- described him as this psychic being that's feasted off of David, this powerful mutant for years and years. And part of his corpulence was to suggest that he had gone fat and he'd grown fat and powerful from feasting upon his psychic mm-hmm. energy. And I'm like, oh, that's a really smart character design. Mm hmm. Because, you know, I don't think of like, you know, morbidly obese people as scary uh, normally. And that's why I was always thought, like, you know, the blob and X-Men. It's like <laughs> your yeah. superpower is you're, 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 you're super fat and you can't you can't be moved, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of utility on that. But this character design really work because it really suggests that, like, you know, kind of job of the hut. Or Baron Harkonnen from Dune, like just this, you know, person that just is like just feasting and gotten bloated and fat on evil. Um, I thought that was really cool. I was just looking at some of the Shadow King history in the comics, and he's possessed a few different people over the years, and they actually tend to get gargantuanly fat in real life. Like really? possessed this one uh, called Karma, who's this Korean girl, and she was totally thin and then she just became completely gigantic like the blob huh, that's pretty interesting. pretty interesting oh and i also like you're talking about the imagery i like the kind of long knobby fingers winding oh like, like like yeah. the face hugger kind of <laughs> yeah. fingers yeah so got you in my grip i like the unmaking the soup metaphor uh, yeah but then it didn't quite go the distance because she immediately says she can decide to leave which sort of is like well soup can't decide uh, to unmake itself well i kind of it's almost like if she was willing like like they're trying to unmake soup she can just leave right <laughs> that's what it you was, know she yeah. can choose to, but that but like if they if they try to do it without her help then it's like they're going to remove like you know they're just going to remove vital parts of david i don't know because uh, the other thing is i feel like a lot of that with um sid was felt like a bluff a kind of desperate bluff at that which oh yeah like maybe she couldn't actually kill david I don't. Yeah, I mean, because it was seeming. I mean, when they got him back to that white room, where it's just him and the baby, and like the, the last vestiges of her were leaving, and she was just in this very pitiful state. Oh, she uh, started choking I, him, though. She started. Yeah, I guess. But don't. I don't. Do you think he could have? I mean, I think so. Thing, Sid, That's what I think. Sid. Sid jumped in there and kissed him, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what would happen if she hadn't. Right, like David's fairly know. powerful too. He might have been able to beat win that battle. Now, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not going to criticize her because uh, what she did worked and it was very brave and and altruistic because it could easily got her. I mean, I also like the fact that the Shadow King has kind of got a, a leg up on her now, right? Because she they switched bodies and she's mm-hmm. already been in her brain and like yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works quite when you're switching bodies and stuff, but that's what's great about comic book logic, right? <laughs> I mean, I also, you know how the Shadow King just started talking to Sid when supposedly she was locked in a box, but because she'd been in Sid's mind, now I'm on your frequency and you can hear me. That seemed a little convenient. But um, 
let's talk about what happened at the end because uh, I, I watched it a second time and I want to see if I can figure out exactly what it was. So I okay. think Sid kissed David and traded minds and brought the Shadow King over into Sid's body. But in the new body, the Shadow King somehow was free and in control. And then... Yeah, and it's so weird because it her power didn't work how I'd expected it to. Because she still had her powers. She instantly took her glove off and then touched Carrie and then switched bodies and minds with her. Oh, she took her glove like off? Like when she kissed David... The power yeah, switched. so she kissed David, and yeah. and that's that that booted the Shadow King into her head, but she still had Sid's powers, which I thought Sid would now have David's powers. See, I don't, I don't. yeah, and I think maybe uh, you know the Shadow King is able to move from host to host at will, so maybe that part was unrelated to Sid's power. So I don't think could, he can he can possibly. Well, I guess he. I guess he could, right? He could move from host to host. Like they, they mentioned that he has to have a powerful mutant host to not just burn up the host, but he could probably live in a normal human for an unspecified amount, amount of time, time and take him over pretty easily because they have no latent ability to defend themselves, right? Right. So if that's we're the case, we're just making then, shit up. If you right, we're it, just if making you're up at home. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> we just know. nerds reading comic books. I'm right. like, what if, man? Let's start <laughs> so, a wiki about it. <laughs> so Shadow King got passed to Carrie somehow, and then, um, and then shot Melanie with her finger, which I think which, is which. What the hell? <laughs> Shadow King is, is Carrie... has telepathic oh, power or telekinetic powers. That go okay. with him no, no matter where, which host. Again, I'm just making shit up. But this okay, is what right. I'm speculating. You're, no, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, so that's not a power that David necessarily possesses. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe they both have the same power. But I think we know that Shadow King has his own powers, too. Mm -hmm. uh, then after that, David and Shadow King possessed Carrie came at each other with full powers blazing. And they clashed and it knocked the Shadow King loose. And then it. It's his essence was expelled and found its way to Oliver and possessed him. And then he left the building. So. I loved how they showed like that super Saiyan mode. Like, you know, there was, uh, <laughs> yeah. was it like a blue energy, like coalescing around David and there's like a fire energy coalescing around right. Carrie and uh, her eyes glowing yellow. That was all badass. And like, I, that's so comic book. Mm -hmm. It's so freaking comic book. And even the smoky black essence was pretty cool. Winding its oh, way down yeah. the hall and, I, and slamming I, into Oliver. I'm actually surprised how many quote unquote normal people just rolled with that. Like, cause I, like, I mean, that is just so freaking comic booky. Um, mm -hmm. and I loved it, but I, I thought like, you know, some of these people that were tricked into watching a drama, not knowing it was a comic book thing might've been like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, I, I'm watching Dragon Ball Z now. What? Whose power <laughs> level is over 9,000? What's going on? But nobody, nobody was commenting about that. I think the society has been conditioned to deal with this kind of stuff by this time. Yeah. Cause it's everywhere. That's true. It's not like, it's not like these Marvel movies are making billions of dollars and people right. are, you know, Dr. Strange. No, no. And people are ready to roll with punches now, I think. Right. And back before Michael Keaton, Batman, or even, I guess, um, Superman with Christopher Reeve, people were like, I don't know if we should do this. It's kind of childish. Mm. Now it's every mm -hmm. weekend. Um, so that's it. What about you? Do you have a number one? Um, so I don't have like a, a, a highlight. I have like, this is my open-ended questions. Um, some things I thought were interesting. Uh, Melanie refers to a plan M. Yeah. 
And I don't think we really got to see that, right? Because he said, she said, they're coming, go to plan M, but then it got interrupted, I think. But that's, I mean, I, I guess this is the X-Men in me. Um, but I feel like that's like anytime I hear M in, re, you know, House of M or whatever, I always think of like in terms of Magneto. And then they, they had also they had they gave a like an upper limit of how many how how many forces that Melanie has at her command. They said it's fifty. Mm-hmm, but like yeah. I was just thinking like what the hell could Plan M possibly be? It was Plan Melanie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. The other thing is um, we still don't know what Melanie's powers are. Steppenwolf made the point that he still thinks she's a mutant because when she was talking about this gods and dinosaurs stuff, right. she certainly was putting herself in the dinosaur category. Absolutely. But I don't know. I think so. She could also, I, I agree, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. And she could also be just dinosaur adjacent. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not a dinosaur, but I'm riding on the back of one. I have several saddled. So I feel like, you know, when the, the dinosaur human war goes down, I'm going to be on the side of the rep, the, the yeah. king of reptiles. So, um, I, a dino but, sympathizer. But I, it is crazy. That eight episodes in, we have no idea what her powers are. I could swear that, we saw her do some telepathy at some point, some speaking with her mind, but then I think I can't think of anything that hasn't happened in the astral plane or in that, you know, like, like any, anything like when you said Oliver has uh, telepathic powers, well, if it's in the psychic plane plane, or the astral plane, then, you know, what does that even mean? Like, you know, it's kind of like Morpheus. Do you think that's air you're breathing? You know, you don't have to (laughs) flap your lips to make your thoughts happen. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I thought that I don't was... know, man. I I want to. I do want to go back and watch this series again. I, I just need more time, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, and see if that ever happened in something that we thought was the real world. Right. They also mentioned like the the bad guys were talking, or the you know quote unquote bad guys uh, were talking about Team A versus Team B, and I'm wondering like if Team A was um, the I. Uh, which I'm, I guess I'm was totally wrong with the eye possessing this. Uh, did you say his name was Kurt? Clark. 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 Um, I guess I was totally wrong about that because there was no hint other than his milky eye that it is that weird had, that they would have that. But yeah, I mean, he is, it, that's also matches his half of his face is burnt. <laughs> um, but like if 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 uh, Clark and the eye were in Team A, then like I wonder if Team B is going to be the antagonist that we. Uh, are introduced to next season yeah yeah i don't think we saw anybody on team b yet all right i got some questions too so what was with male carrie handing trying to hand that glass to interrogator guy and the other carrie saying on the table and it was all in slow motion yeah because i i i thought i mean i just think first of all that's 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 a great precaution because when you're talking about (laughs) mutants that can swap bodies with you at a moment like you know, and and remember that was the last time things went to shit with her, uh, when when the eye had switched with Sid, and like that's you know the the the, the she had been shot and that like the team kind of all fell apart. Like mm-hmm. maybe she's just like, hey, I don't want anything like that to happen, or like right. also don't that take any her brother just yeah, like her brother is the kind of like nerdy, trusting, like not streetwise person, and she's so she was just like you know you know observe proper containment protocol kind of. I don't know if there was any. Because they did kind of like do the slow mo ominous music when they're doing it, and I'm like, "Oh, are we about to find out what you know Kurt's uh, powers are?" Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, inconclusive. I would say insufficient yeah. data. <laughs> okay, next we 
I don't think we've really gotten a really good look at what happened above the pool in that scene, but uh, it's fire. And are we assuming <laughs> that there's someone on Team Melanie that is a pyrokinetic? Yeah, there has to be. And okay. I, I want to say that we saw that person. In the first, but is, in the first episode during that strike, because I know you know we had the the telekinetic guy and we had Ptolemy and we had uh, Carrie was in that group too, right? Maybe it, it was. Yeah. Could that possibly be Melanie? That would be interesting. Could Melanie be a fire starter? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. It seems. I mean, like there's fifty. There's uh, I, from my by my counts, we have like forty three mutants at uh, Melanie's facility unaccounted for. Right. So who knows? Right, right, right. Maybe they got a super super jubilee uh, that they've got in 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 storage. I doubt it's her because it, it seems like there's been other times where that would have been helpful. Uh, That's true. Set set the, the world on fire would have been helpful <laughs> in several several different instances. Melanie and all of them have been at war with division three for a while. So I thought it was interesting that this was her and Clark's first meeting. And it just made me wonder what were the early stages that happened to make it them refer to it as a war. You'd think they'd have some skirmishes, you know, mm-hmm. but I, it's all, it's all unknown. I guess it's more of a, but if I guess question. her former pupil was like in that team, that would probably be the one that she would I kind of oh, fixate yeah. on. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Um, also, you know, one, I, I'm, we're talking about this, um, I'd just jog my memory. We're talking about wonder if David is, uh, telekinetic or yeah, telekinetic as well. Mm-hmm. He bent he those is. dudes rifles with his mind, yeah. even with the halo on. So that yeah. was all him. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And he stacked there, them there up. So absolutely. Yeah, exactly. QED. One thing that I thought was a little weird is Oliver says he's on a liquid diet, which I guess means he drinks a lot. Right. But does yeah. he not oh. actually eat? I think that was a joke. Okay. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to roll <laughs> yeah. with that's an Austin Powers, like, you know, a, a type of joke rather than, uh, although it would be totally this show to be a little bit of both. Right. I mean, I just keep getting this. He's not that into you vibe from him, which is kind of sad. Not that not is, only does he not remember, but he's not that responsive to her. Yeah. <laughs> but I but I also think like, you know, there could be some physiological like, you know, he's been a frozen man for 20 years and <laughs> he did just he just instantly shook that off. So but he was also cooking eggs. Wasn't he sitting? Then I, I can tell. If, I can't remember if he actually ate last episode, but I, I don't know. I don't know. He was trying to. I, I think he was trying to give her the brush off, which I thought. I'm. I'm kind of. Uh, you got to go back and watch that scene of him on the ladder where he says the word Melanie and then kind of had that smile yeah, on his face. I, watch I think. That, he, yeah. I, I think he got there in the end, yeah. but like, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're, uh, that's always been interesting to me. Like, you wake up and you don't have your memory, and you're married to somebody, and. <laughs> You right. like, you know, if your if your memories reset 20 years, like, you know, I wouldn't recognize my current wife. I hadn't even met her yet 20 years ago. So, like, that would be a really bizarre thing. And just because, mm-hmm. you know, like, I could see like, oh, yeah, you seem familiar, but I just can't push. And she's like my wife. And you're like, nah, nah, I still if I was going to marry anybody, it'd be that Japanese woman. That had the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I actually think Gene Smart has been playing it right on because you can tell she's she's looking at him she's emotional but she's she it's obvious that he doesn't remember her so she doesn't want to spook him or she's just kind of waiting and 
seeing how it's going to play out, you know, but she also was a little more intentional, a little more aggressive this time inviting him to dinner, but she's not going to just pounce on him. She wants him to come to it. Yeah. I also thought that, um, I also thought they did an interesting job. I mean, Jean Smart's a very pretty woman, um, but they did a like a, an exceptional job this episode of like really softening her and making her look a little bit younger. And with Jermaine Clement, they've done like oh, the opposite where they've aged him up a bit and mm-hmm. where it seems like they're in the ballpark where it'd still be plausible that they're, you know, because that was my first thing. I was like, oh, God, this guy's like some swinging, you know, late 30s, early 40s bachelor. And he's going to be like, oh, 65, you're no way. Um, like, it's just I, that was my worst fear. It's like he's just like, you know, they're like two ships that pass in the night. Right. And it's just not going to happen anymore. Which is another reason she might be a little hesitant because she might be thinking, oh, is he even going to want to take back up? Yeah. But yeah, there was enough yeah. of a spark, I think, between them that it was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about the very ending, the end credits? What do you think about that? Man, I, I saw um, I saw two plausible theories. I said, well, we should probably talk about that in the spoiler section. Um, but so I'll just give my thoughts uh, mm-hmm. non-spoiler. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was – first of all, it felt very Marvel, right? Yes. Uh, second of all – I think that was like the point. Pro- it's a probe where he's like, oh, this is something Carrie's cooked up. Oh, how cute. And he's and then he goes, oh, now what the f? And he gets teleported <laughs> in that cube. I just thought that was really funny mm-hmm. and a very a great cap to a very quirky season. Right. But I can't speculate further on what it could possibly be without getting spoilery. And I, I, I see since this community is very uh, defensive about the comic book spoilers. And I feel like we've already kind of tread upon that sensibility in, in this episode thus far. So. Yeah. You know what I thought was cool about it is uh that it started to scan him. And so immediately I- I'm thinking, okay, it's a scanner. It's harmless. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he's inside of it. And it's flying away and he's going, "Help." So that was a yeah. good little fake out there for a second. Uh so at, I noticed cuz I always watch twice and the second time through the people back at the office looking through the Clark's camera Clark says you see that right and they say send the equinox so Mm -hmm. I think Mm. this thing is from them I don't know we don't know but uh I was kind of hoping it was like going to be a completely new thing and it might be it might be it might be that's it a couple other notes uh the computer UI in the beginning monitoring Clark, when he was all in bandages, looked like the graphics at the end of the show with the green and purple rectangles. I think that was just a little stylistic Indeed. thing. But uh, yeah. I, it, when he was going back in uh, flashbacking through his life, it looked like we were finally going to get to see his adoptive father's face because he had his hands over his face and then the camera started to focus in and then they just cut to something else. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's still a mystery that is left to be uncovered, I think. Right. And then uh, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right. Let's move on to some listener feedback. You want to go first? Sure. Dylan Blank said, friggin' loved it. Wrapped up nicely. Gave us something to look forward to next season. A great season finale. I'm so glad Aubrey Plaza looks to be continuing on in season two. And Jim, you get what you wished for. More Jermaine Clement. 
and he's not even here. Not even here to <laughs> yeah. to reap what he sowed. Rima Joe says, uh, Jermaine Clement, he really does get all the greatest lines, and I'm thrilled we'll have more of him next season. Loved when he had a moment of clarity and remembered Melanie and was heartbroken they didn't get their reunion. Ah, oh, see, she noticed it too. Yep. Next one is um, John Seaman in quotes. That's <laughs> this, is, this must be an alias. Um, following the awesomeness of episode two, this one kind of fell flat for me. Seven had me on the brink of climax, only to lose it on 20 minutes of a burned guy and his boyfriend and their adopted African-American son. Carving all the bases, are we? It was sweet, don't get me wrong, but as part of a season five finale, it seemed more intentional that it contributed uh, than it contributed to the story. Save character developing for the front half of, uh, for shit's sake. I was waiting for a showdown with the government and Shadow King, with David taking control of Feruza Balk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's who she reminds me of. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and David shredding the third level, whatever the government agency is called. Instead, we get some lame character development on a half-burned dude whose name still escapes me. Episode left me with a lot of Hands raising, what the fuck is this moments? The burn guy, David having doubts again, Carrie squabble in front of the prisoner, and Jermaine's one-note performance. Woof. The only highlight for me is Aubrey Plaza's performance. She kills it. I'll be back for season two, uh, as the show has a lot of promise. Uh, I know you guys love Jermaine, uh, uh, Jermaine rather, and I do too, Mr. Hip-Hop Hippotamus himself, (laughs) but is he going to wear that April O'Neil jumper the whole series? Hopefully, Lenny will get him some new d- duds and up his personality a few notches. <laughs> I feel like he suffers from a, uh, an excess of personality, of anything, uh, right, which I, right. I love. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think they could get him out of the, uh, the leisure suit. Nah, he's, uh, he's Mr. Swinging 60s. I do. So, like, I want to touch on a couple things uh, that John Seaman here talked about. Uh, first of all, I too was a little antsy during this humanizing the villain moment. I'm like, Oh, and I, I even wrote my notes. Oh, great. Hitler has a dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like they're there, but then as it went on, I'm like, Oh, I see what they're doing. And Me they're too. really trying to paint, you know, Same. they're, they're trying to put some gr- shades of gray into how we feel about Melanie's organization. Mm-hmm. And also about the other thing about like, it's funny when people say like, Oh yeah, the two gay dudes and their, their black son, I'm reminded of like um, Justice Ginsburg when she was being confirmed, like, you know, however many years ago it was when she was a spry 60 year old. Uh, someone asked her, like, what do you think the what do you think a, a good balance of justice, uh, you know, Supreme Court justices would be male versus uh, women? And she goes, well, the only obvious answer is nine female justices, <laughs> because for over 200 years, this country has had nothing but nine or however many men sitting on the bench. So it only stands to reason that we should have nine women going for hundreds of years until we can actually achieve balance. And then maybe and, you know, obviously that was tongue in cheek, but I think it was proving a point like mm-hmm. um it's i think that's the point of the scene like going back to the dawn of television it's always been husband and wife and their kids right Mm -hmm. so if there's any kind of like i guess eye rolling or like if if you feel like that's an ostentatious display then i guess that's probably one one thousandth of what it feels like to be a minority watching television right absolutely because the mainstream is just shoved down her throat that is normal that is what is right that is what is good everything else is alternative at Mm -hmm. best and i don't know i i I dig it i dig it i think we need to see a lot 
more of stuff like that before. And I, you know, I, I don't know about, a, you know, 75 years of, uh, just gay dudes and lesbians and, and, uh, <laughs> black and Indian kids and, and all that. But like, I, I just thought it's, it's so weird to like, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to single out here, John Seaman, because I know that makes people feel weird and uncomfortable, but I'm just saying that like, that's kind of what it's like if you're on, if the shoes on the other foot. Plus it, it keeps things fresh because if it would have just been his wife and his white son, then it would seem, it would feel like we've seen that so many times. So why not have this thing that hasn't been done nearly as much and just make it feel a little more specific, you know, which makes the character feel a little more fleshed out to me. So yeah, I can see where it might feel like a checking off a box or something like that, but that's, I, I just feel like that's a cynical way to look at it and you don't have to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, he says, save character development for the front half for shit's sake. I was waiting for a showdown with the government and Shadow King. And I kind of felt that way too, but then I realized, well, yeah, see, here's the thing is you expect it to be something because we've seen that so many times before. And if we would have seen it exactly the way we expected it, then we'd probably be complaining that it was predictable. Yeah, and having it come out of left field, like I get it how it's kind of tedious. To, I think it was seven minutes before we got to the people that we actually gave a shit about. Um, but as I saw the episode uh, on Furl, I'm like, him coming from one side to like tipping his toe over to the other side of understanding and, and going from that fear to that empathy that clip that, that uh, Oliver talked about back in episode three or four or whatever when we first saw him. Like, that backstory was kind of vital to that. And as you said, if that was just was spooned over us like five episodes ago, we might've seen it coming. And also, Mm -hmm. or we might've risked forgetting about it and being like, you know, what the hell is even, even happening here? So, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. And also it's just, you know, it is also, it, it was just, I felt like touching to see, um, you know, like that, dude's, that dude's husband or boyfriend, I can't remember what exactly their status is. That dude's a trooper. Mm-hmm. Like when he sees his face for the first time and he gives him that warm smile and says, there's my handsome guy. Like mm-hmm. I actually a little get got choked up because like that's <laughs> I mean, you know, what what more can you ask for? If you've I've always wondered about that, like you get like I've 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 seen guys like, you know, this, this police officer that was local in Indianapolis that got like 75% of his body burnt up mm. and you know, he's got this beautiful wife and, and uh, you know, these kids and like, they just love him. Like nothing ever happened. And like, that is, that's uh, a testament to the human spirit mm-hmm. uh, that you can, you can still, even, even though the, the exterior has just been ruined by this experience that like the, the person inside hasn't changed and you can still, still see that and love that. Yeah. I thought he was, Really, it, he was shaken, but he was trying to appear not shaken because right he, because he loved the guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and I so and I, still, I, I also yeah. and also that's the other thing is I was, it didn't make the highlight, but that speech he gave about like oh the desk can I take that desk onto the battlefield because <laughs> this is war and I'm and like I'm like that's that was pretty badass. Yeah, that's exactly that what good. you'd want out of uh, some heroic. He like it 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 it, it casts him in a heroic light, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna let these terrorists win. And I like so. when Melanie said, "I'm sorry," and she's he's like, "Well, you're gonna be <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a few minutes here." <clears throat> All right, 
Good. Next, Lyra Willis Week says, Amazing and uncanny. I loved every minute. As someone used to the Game of Thrones and the Walking Dead level finales, I found this less bombastic, but just as enthralling. I love that the antagonist is not the monster we thought him to be. I love the reconciliation of the carries and sad for Melanie's heartbreak, but mostly I love that David actually didn't rain down hell on D3 and actually wants to work with them. The X-Men have always been about trying to live in peace with humanity, and I appreciated that this was David's message to Clark. Zombie Lenny was truly terrifying, and I'm thrilled we'll have more Lenny and Oliver's groovy road trip next season. I admire the way this series has been able to weave together a show with horror, humor, superheroes, and heart in a way that's both quirky and entertaining. A-plus to everyone involved. Dude, I am so excited for more Lenny and Oliver. That is... Bad. That is that looks like it's going to be funny. It looks like it's going to be scary. It looks uh-huh. like it's going to be heartbreaking. Like, you know, I was kind of mid season. Like, I don't know if I'm going to come back next year, or if I do, it's I don't know if I want to cover it on a podcast. Yeah. And if I cover, I I don't know, like. Am I going to be like arms crossed, eyes narrowed at it? <laughs> like, you got to win me over. But like, I was so delighted when i saw him in an interview where noah hall is like oh no we don't need to go away to retool we're going to be back same air date we're going to be ready to go like we're not we're it's just going to be a normal wait for television kind of thing yeah um i was like so happy because i realized how desperately i want to see the rest of the story (laughs) yeah i mean i i had been saying i kind of hoped they would get rid of the shadow king and move on to something else but not anymore because this is a great way to go with it yeah uh, Jose, uh, uh, Jimenez, <laughs> there are cliffhangers, there are teasers and the way this season has wrapped up the arc of the season and begins to set up the next one is goddamn near perfect. I was already pleased with Lenny and Oliver driving away and knowing that the next season would be about finding them, but then they doubled down and put David in a floating eyeball robot prison. Can't fucking wait. Agreed. <laughs> Maxell says, hello. In last episode, silent film style scene. Do you think the scene being silent was an effect for the audience or that the environment was actually drained of sound? I think it was uh, that the environment was actually drained of sound, but I don't know if people were seeing those like, uh, what do you call it? Title cards. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. I think that's the great thing about the the show is, is I could easily believe either version because what you're really seeing is this ethereal psychic energy being passed back and forth on this six dimensional mental plane. Mm-hmm. So what the hell does any like was what Oliver really like? you could easily ask like is was Oliver really living in an ice cube? Did David really climb a chain link of O's to get to it? Did you know, like, what is that? Does the, does the diving suit really like? Is there a literal psychic diving suit that protects you from the Shadow King's <laughs> influence? Like, or is that just how uh, our human conscious? I don't know. Drop, you, you just drop some acid and figure it out. That's because that's that's what you need to that's do. Our, that's our advice. <laughs> Steph from Pittsburgh says, "I'm a big fan of the Watching Dead podcast, and I've moved on to listen to several of your other podcasts. I've been pretty annoyed with you guys during the Legion podcast, though." I feel you're not giving an amazing show enough credit. You've consistently nitpicked and overlooked some amazing stuff and it's a bummer. 
especially compared to the way you guys gushed over the entertaining but flawed Westworld. This show is way better. My irritation hit a peak this week with Aaron's monologue about how Noah Hawley is a hack and just apes other people's styles. I think there's much to be said about skill and adaptation. I've adored all of Holly's work that I've seen so far, and I'd be equally interested in seeing another stellar adaptation from him as I wouldn't seeing something totally original. Jason seems to get it though. Argue with these dudes, Jason the show is so good that it deserves your defense. Still a fan though. Uh, well, Steph, um, it's like my opinion, man. And I felt like I did. I mean, it wasn't so much. I was staying Noah Holly is a hack. It's more like I was, this is the concern from the body of work I've seen from him so far is that he tends, you know, he was, he was aping these other directors rather than having a style of your own. And that's also something that's very common for artists to do. Uh, you know, they, 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 they take their influences and they're very beholden to those. And then they, they, they end up as they grow in confidence and ability and, and, and experience, they, they have a voice of their own. And I was kind of like talking about like, it'll be nice to see when Holly develops that. But also, you know, um, like I said, all I can ever do is, is give my opinion. And if I'm thinking or feeling something, I guarantee, I always say it because, um, my, 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 my first principle as, as a thinking, feeling human being, I take it for granted that if I'm articulating an opinion, someone else on the internet will be thinking it too. And as annoying as it is for you, there's probably people that hear me say that and like, God, yes, thank you. Someone that yeah, knows there's, you know, and like, that's the thing. Like, um, if I just like, you know, read the consensus of the fans and gave it, you know, like, oh yeah, this show is awesome. And it's totally visionary and it's so cool. And it's, it's awesome. And, like, there's not a single problem and there's no pacing issues at all. I mean, shoot, you might as well just pick one podcast or one article and read it and be done because they're all the same. So, I mean, I hate it when people don't like my opinion because all I want out of the world is to be loved and admired by all. <laughs> um, but I don't know how to do it. Any, and I've, I've often said that, like, I don't know how to do it any other way because if I start triangulating on what people want me to say, what is that even? I mean, like how it's, it's kind of like uh, that thing in I heart Huckabees. How am I not myself? How am I not myself? How am I not? my? <laughs> it, I, I think I'd go crazy. I'd, I'd go date full schizo David. So sorry. Sorry. I know it's annoying sometimes, but uh, thanks for hanging in there. I uh, think what Aaron said is absolutely right. That there's people who are just like, thank you for saying that. And I know like when Karen and I disagree on walking dead cast that half the audience often agrees with her and half with me, or sometimes we get people complaining that we're not critical enough. And then other people saying that we're too critical. So uh, the best we can do is just say what we actually feel. And I feel like, yeah, maybe on this podcast, I haven't um, done that quite enough because I have a lot of uh, respect for Jim and Aaron and I'm uh, I, I started off maybe a little bit intimidated, but um, I really, I've been trying more lately. <laughs> You're like scoffing, but I've been trying more lately to, yeah, just really just get in there. And you know, if I don't agree with something, say so. And that's totally cool. Right? Like if we don't agree, we should fucking oh, yeah. say it. Yeah. We don't have to agree Plus on everything. Plus, you're probably, you're probably feel outnumbered too. I mean, uh, there's two of us versus one of you. Um, Sometimes. But, uh, but no, it's yeah. been, but yeah, yeah I mean, no, I, but that, and, and like I said at first, it's like also, I mean, admit it, it feels like when a skeptic is won over and be like, yeah, you're right. This, like, he knew what he's doing all along and maybe they stumbled in the, in the, 
maybe they stumbled at the 50 yard line, but they brought it home. They spiked it into, doesn't that feel better mm-hmm. than someone was cheerleading from the sides the whole time? Like winning over someone to your side feels better <laughs> than if they were on your side the, the, the whole time. Yeah. It just does. It just does. It's got to give you a warm glow in your heart, right? It, yeah, absolutely. You, you overcame the challenge. I mean, <laughs> about what's his name? Uh, Holly style. Uh, he, so he did Fargo and that's aping the Coen brother style really well, really well, I think. And that's, and that's, it's, that's its stick. I mean, it's it's supposed stick, to. it would yeah. be weird if it didn't, like and, if people said this feels nothing like Fargo or any of the Coen brothers, it'd be a failure. Right. And this show had, I agree with you guys, has some, uh, Wes Anderson, feel to it which is similar to the coen brothers at least some of their stuff like you guys pointed out coen brothers are kind of varied but they're very very deliberate in their style both of them the coen brothers and wes anderson and i i think noah holly has that and it's actually his own thing but it's hard to tell right now because what we've seen so far is fargo and that and now this and uh and this is based on a comic book and everything, but uh, I do feel like I'm a little bit more rah rah for him being an auteur than you guys who think he's more of uh, just kind of copying other people. What do you think? I just think the jury. I, I think jury's I out. think it's the jury's out because I want to see him do like I I want to see him. Um, you know, like Vince Gilligan cut his teeth on the X Files, and then he did Breaking Bad, which is nothing like the X Files, mm-hmm. other than it it does have like you know, quirky offbeat humor and at, you know, the, the kind of leaven, the, the darkness, but you know, it's like, I, I would, I guess the next project to see Holly and the Holly take over, I'd like to see it be like something crazy different. Like the mm-hmm. Coen brothers, you know, do raising Arizona and then they do no country for old men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and, and it, I, I just, I kind of want to see him do, uh, something that's completely unique and different. Um, and doesn't have those obvious, obvious influences and maybe again i i don't think i maybe i did and if i did i'll apologize because i don't think noah hawley is a hack i just said that was my fear after you know right. the the midpoint in the season where things were running out of steam and i felt like you know the things were not connecting and i was kind of left because I, I felt the same way about the end of season two of fargo i'm like okay i've got a body of work and half of it has been kind of derivative in the bet in the worst worst ways and now I feel a lot better, but you know, I, I, I also want to see him kind of develop his own voice before I say, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an auteur. He's an auteur. Um, yeah. Like if, if, if Christopher Nolan had come out and just done Stanley Kubrick films for his first three or four films, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> it was a really good homage to Stanley Kubrick, but like, when am I going to see the Chris Nolan come out? But yeah. you know, I don't know. I feel like shit. I'm a hack podcaster. So <laughs> I actually think Christopher Nolan's overrated. But maybe we should just move on. <laughs> that's that's not an unpopular opinion, but uh, I'd fight you for it. <laughs> All right, maybe next time. In the meantime, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what Dunkirk comes out. We'll, we'll we're going to have some news. It's uh, spoilery for next season. Just some tidbits about what's going to happen in season two. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at legion at baldmove dot com. And you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash legion pod. Be sure to check out our other shows at baldmove.com and podcastica.com. But mostly baldmove.com. Mostly podcastica. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
into the news. So Holly did a press conference call and talked about what's coming up. He said, like you mentioned, that season two will most likely arrive in the same time. So it'll start in February 2018. I think he said it would be 10 episodes probably this time. He yeah, said, that's what he said shooting for. Yeah, he said in general for season two, quote, we want to keep the pressure on. If you keep the pressure on someone whose psychology has always been unstable, it's going to keep him from being able to really heal. Really what he should do is go on a retreat for a year and just be one with nature and eat three meals a day and take walks in the woods and learn how to be a person the way other people are persons, but he's not going to have that luxury because he's on to the next crisis. I think that's going to continue to keep the pressure on him. That, that stress on someone who's disjointed can be very destructive. So that's just a general idea of how they're going to keep the tension going, which is good. I like hearing that. I don't want him to be too placid. Uh, will it, sure. Regarding where the Jermaine Clement will return as Oliver, Holly says, we'll see a lot of him going forward. And he expressed excitement about Clement and Plaza sharing the screen time, just like we did. Uh, A little bit about the story of season two. He says, quote, I like this idea of having to face our demons and the idea that in the first season, that was an internal struggle for David. And now we're taking something that has so much power over him psychologically and emotionally and making it an exterior agent. There's going to be something very complicated about going to war with yourself, really, because as he says in that eighth hour, this thing has been with him since he was a baby. It's like a phantom limb now. It's part of him. That really complicates emotionally and morally and personally this fight, which is always more interesting. We've now created a villain for David that's worthy of building a whole story around the backstory of this thing and their relationship and their history is so nuanced and rich that it makes for a potential showdown that we're very invested in as an audience, as opposed to doing a villain of the year kind of approach. So yeah, he, I don't know how long that story will sustain or the permutations of it, but I do think it's a very fascinating setup to follow. So that's cool. Hey, I want to, cause I, I usually let you just run this thing, but like a one nugget I got from his interview and you might be bringing up this, but I'm just like, you know, go, waving the flag. Go for it. Um, someone asked him about like, you know, what's the, what's the possibility of like, you know, professor X showing up. And he mm-hmm. said, uh, uh, he talked, I can't, I don't have the exact quote, but he's like, I don't know if we would get like a Patrick Stewart or, um, uh, who's the James, Mc- not Fassbender, James um, McAvoy, McAvoy. Mac- yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I'm not I'm not sure. It's just like, but I'm I'm totally open to, or it's like that's something that's like you know I'm not closing the door on. And with Patrick Stewart saying that he would make an exception for coming back for uh, Professor X for this Legion, particular this Legion show on FX, I think that we can just confirm that Patrick Stewart will be coming to a season of Legion. No, no. Um, but I, I, I thought that was super exciting. The fact that Holly's open to it and these guys are open to it. That's freaking cool. Man. Oh, it'd be amazing. That's super yes. Cool. I say yes. Yes. Do yes. It. I just want to geek out a bit. So I don't know it, if you had those in your notes, but I, yeah. I thought that was so exciting. I did. And it sounds like he's, uh, you know, he's um, pontificating, but it, I got this vibe that he's like, I'm finishing up Fargo right now and I really need to get going on this, but I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> You know, right. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, he is like emergency phone conference that he's like, I'm in the middle of Fargo and I can't really. But yeah, it's like it's kind of cool that he 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 tore himself away enough to at least answer some questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. That's the news. That's the season. That's the podcast. We will be back in some form or another. Okay, wait, I'm no, sure. no, 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 no. Oh, no, you had no, spoilery no, no. stuff. Sorry. Yeah, we got to talk about this <laughs> this this floating eyeball prison. First of all. 
when Sid comes out and, and David's on the balcony, look over his right shoulder. There is okay. what looks like a body wearing a black suit that's hung on a meat hook. You're kidding. I mean, it's not what it looks like it. That's what it is. There's a human Whoa. being that's hung up like as if he's on a meat hook on in 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 the background in the uh, in the you know summer. What is that Summerville? Summerland summer inside the building, huh? Summerland inside the building, right over David's right shoulder. Check that out and tell me what the hell could that possibly be? That okay. is really creepy. Um, uh, second, uh, I have heard it told that those probes look very similar to Shi'ar technology. Which we've talked about in passing, like that's oh, you know that's yeah. very important to. Uh, I remember that being very important to Professor X ultimately defeating the Shadow King um, from the continuity that I was reading. Mm -hmm. But then someone also mentioned that these spears are part of X Men Legacy from 2012, where they were sent by this Abigail Brand from this organization called Sword, which I have. That's like speaking latin to me i have no idea what that means because i don't know who abigail brand was i don't know what the organization sword is do you know anything about that stuff yeah when joss whedon actually wrote uh, an arc on x-men a couple of arcs he created sword it was like the uh, uh kind of a counterpart to shield but up in space dealing with alien dealing with aliens and i don't remember what the mm -hmm. acronym stands for i don't even know if he had an acronym for it but they ha they were in some satellite, and Abigail Brand, I think, was the the leader of the organization. I'm looking at this, yeah, right now, this weird meat hook thing. It looks like the personification of death, right? It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, like what the hell? Like I, I don't know. Maybe there's like a, a mutant that just like is is uh, oh that's God. the way they sleep because. Because look, look on the other. There's it looks like there might be if if further to the right another one. Interesting. I don't like, like, know. Is this, like, is like, is like, is it Jamie Madrox store in his clones or <laughs> <laughs> what? Cause I would, I, I would, I've always, I've, that's yes, the one me kind too. of, un, like, Jamie Madrox is yeah. one of my favorite characters from the Peter David run. From yes, X, absolutely. X factor. Yes. And I would love to see that's what, that's one of the ones I've never seen on the screen, mm -hmm. but I would love to see that particular take on the character. And I think Noah Hawley. Yes. Hacked it is. Oh Noah man. Let's Hawley, start a fan I, campaign. Everybody I, come I think on. Noah Hawley could do justice to yeah. that concept. And it could go in it, Legion too. A Legion of Madroxes. It's a super easy effect to pull off nowadays. Like you can make yeah. multiple clones of all kinds of people and that would be, yeah. it's, it's such a cool inventive power too. For people uh, who uh -huh. don't know what we're talking about, there was this great run in, of uh, multiple man or it was just called Madrox comic where mm -hmm. this guy, he, uh, if he just impacts, like he can hit himself in the arm and create a clone of himself it and just then, pops off. Yeah. yeah. And then they can go around and do stuff and then he absorbs them back into himself. But if they, the longer they're away from him, the more they develop their own personalities, which they kind of go rogue yeah. to a lot of interesting. Yeah. One of them actually became a priest and didn't want to be absorbed back into his body or a pastor or something. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. That would be awesome. And even if they don't go to that depths of, uh, my, of of pathos, I just like to see him as a like a, just a recurring character. And mm -hmm. also, yes, then spin once you're done with Legion, spin off Madrox because mm -hmm. that would be a freaking cool series. It would so yeah. many cool so many cool ways to use that power and mm -hmm. and Noah yeah. Holly would be the one I would want to do it to really explore the mm -hmm. psychology behind all that. Mm -hmm. Any other spoilers or anything? 
no, that's all I want to talk about. All right. This is us signing off. Thanks everybody. Yeah. I don't want to end it like that. I don't want to end it like that. (laughs) That was dumb. I'm pretty, I'm pretty (laughs) confident. I'm pretty confident that I will. I mean, again, always, always, always depends on the schedule, but they come back at this. And I don't, I can't speak for Jim because Uh you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he he operates on a different wavelength than I, (laughs) but I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be back for season two. Sweet. You'll have me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm digging the show, man. Like I said, yeah, best, no, I best superhero true. show I, I think I've ever seen, except for maybe Batman the Animated Series. And if I, for whatever reason, I wouldn't have time to do uh, a le- full-on Legion podcast, if you, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if for whatever, God forbid, you go off and find another co-host because we, <laughs> we have to part ways, I will definitely have you on for a Bald Move TV. Because I'll be watching it for sure Cool. Uh, when it wraps up so we can kind of touch base. But I'm hoping to keep the, the Bald Move uh, podcast to synergy going. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks for thanks for inviting us uh, on. It was it was nice. It's finally nice to, to get the team up. On yeah. Official capacity. Totally. Yeah. It was super fun. It's cool. Uh, keep in touch. We'll do. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>